All right, everybody, it's the end of the year, and that means it's time to count it down. Also, Merry Christmas. Come on and get listicle. Yates here, and we are going to go through your top 30 of 2019. And there's no Olivia Newton-John on this list, and I'm sorry. Maybe Olivia Newton-John did release an album this year, and I missed it, and it would have been like the best album ever. So, Olivia Newton-John, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was going to be the way I'd be starting this podcast uh, episode off. But, you know, that's what happened. So, I have compiled a blog post of my top 30 albums of this year and i have uh uh, i'm gonna post that on the interwebs so if you like to read my blog uh, i haven't posted on it for a while but if you like to read it you can go ahead and read that or if you like to listen you can go ahead and listen um or if you like to do both you can do both i'm not going to necessarily just read you my top 30 like blog posts that would be very boring um i'm gonna go through and talk about the albums maybe play a little bit of the songs not all of them but yeah, how you guys? You have a good Thanksgiving? You guys ready for Christmas? It's Christmas time all over the world. You know, like Tom Petty once said, it's Christmas all over again. Like the Beatles once said, O-U-T spells out. Maybe we'll do a Christmas episode. I don't know. The sky is the limit. But right now, I don't want to waste your time with stuff. I've got 30 releases to talk to you about, and I just think we should just start talking about them. This entire episode I'm going to classify as New Disco because I'm talking about all the best music from 2019. That's right. Thanks for joining in. And we're going to go ahead and start because we've got a lot of ground to cover. And we're going to start in at number 30 on my list of 30. Actually, no, we're not. We're not going to start at number 30. We're going to start at honorable mentions. So there are a few records I want to mention that we're not necessarily um, not. I don't want to say that like, oh, these weren't good enough to be on my top 30. These albums are just as good as anything on my top 30. But the reason that uh, they are honorable mentions and not included in this list is because I just feel like I don't know enough about them. And the the first one I, I, I have to mention is definitely Georgia Mac's first solo album, which is called Pleaser. And that one came out in December, so I was already working on this list. I saw something the other day that was like The Clash releasing 
London Calling on December 16th of 1979 is like the number one reason why you don't publish your year in lists in November. But, alas, here's me messing that up. So I was already writing my my year-end list, and Georgia Mac released this solo album, and I liked it a lot, and I was like, dang, well, I can't include it in the list because I'm already kind of finished with it. So honorable mention number one, Georgia Mac's first solo album. Uh, also some albums I really like this year, Coasting's new EP, Big Whoop, um, which I talked about a little bit earlier this year when it came out. Uh, I.J. Morrison, I've mentioned on the show before, he has put out a new, uh, a new, a couple new records this year. Uh, the one that uh, that I have on cassette is called "Songs for the Descent," and that is really awesome. If you're into bedroom goth, uh, lo-fi be- bedroom goth, which you are, because you're listening to this show. Uh, Madrigal is a new EP by an Ohio-based band called Equipment that I really liked, and Jeff Rosenstock and Laura Stevenson's Neil Young tribute album, "Still Young." Uh, did not make my list, but is, of course, one of my favorite releases for the year, so had to be included there as an honorable mention. Now I can get into my top 30 records of the year. At number 30, I would put William Patrick Corgan, that is the one and only Billy Corgan, his album Contillions. Billy Corgan released this record in November. I listened to it a few times while I did the dishes, and I thought, that's pretty good. And I came to this realization about Billy Corgan that uh, kind of like, you know, Weezer has like disappointed me time and time again. Green Day disappoints me all the time. The Foo Fighters' last two releases have been uh, subpar. And I, I just was like, you know, I think all the 90s bands are, are like, yeah, you know. Kind of, kind of like falling on hard times. Well, Billy Corgan is not because every record Billy Corgan has released since Oceana has uh, been a fantastic record, and I've really, really appreciated the direction he's taking it. But I think his thing is that he's not trying to replicate himself like some of those other bands are trying to redo what they used to do in the 90s. He's just going on his own direction, and I'm really appreciating what he's doing with it. Um, I'll play, well, I know I said I don't want to play like a ton of stuff, but the song Hard Times, actually, and the reason I brought it up, is uh, is one of my favorite songs on this release, so let me play a second of that. Jets off to Orion is drawn blood skin and the hills sing prayers of America. It's hard times we're in. It's hard times. So the reason I wanted to play that song in particular is because it kind of summarizes the theme of this list. 2019 has been a hard year. I don't know if it's been a hard year for you or if it's just been a, been a rough year for myself. Uh, but this this year, when I look back on it, I'm going to think... It's, it's Sometimes you get to New Year's and you think, man, what a, what a good year. Like 2018, when I got to New Year's last year, I was like, all right, not bad. 2018 was, was fun. 2016, great, great year. But 2019, good riddance, man. I am so ready for this year to be done. I'm so ready for this decade to be behind me. And 
so the rest of this list does kind of reflect hard times. So these 30 albums kind of got me through this 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 crappy year and have really really helped me grow and become a better person. And listening to that Billy Corgan album, I was like that's kind of why I like it so much. Also, it's very western and uh I it's very co- like country western, what I mean. And it's it's interesting to see Billy Corgan do that because that's not what you associate with the Smashing Pumpkins. So that's why that's why number 30 Contillion from Billy Corgan. We're going to move on now. 29 is a record from Soak. Soak released their follow-up to Before We Forgot How to Dream this year. That record is called Grim Town. That record I talked about a little bit uh, on an episode earlier this year about how there's like the train conductor and they're taking everybody who's like experiencing this misery to uh, into this like this you know like place this grim town um and that record was really really great and very dark and melancholic uh but also it had some some shades of light on it that were were very different from the the scariness of uh the scariness of before we forgot how to dream so that's why i like soak she uh, takes the light and the dark combines it all together into these fantastic songs that you know, kind of make you feel like Ireland in general, you know, because they're an Irish artist. So, it, you know, Ireland's got some, some bright, but it's got a lot of rain. But you got to have the rain before you get the rainbows. Now I'm going to move on here. Uh, I did have top tracks for all these albums. For Billy Corgan's record, my top track was Hard Times. My top track for Soak's record, Grimtown, is Fall Asleep slash Backseat. That's my favorite track on there, and a great, great song. Now I'm going to move on. Number 28 on my list is Boney Vare's uh, record. I don't know how you even say this. Do you say it two? It's a little I and a comma and then a little I. What is that supposed to mean? Justin Vernon, tell me what that's supposed to mean. I have no idea. But it's a decent record. I liked 22 a million a lot better. This Vernon said this was like his fall record but I don't believe that I think 22 a million is more of a fall record and two really seem more like a summertime record to me. Uh, and maybe, you know, he's going by the release dates of these, but I did like the song. Hey ma a lot. It, 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 that was a really good song. Um, it, it borrows elements from 22 a million, but it didn't, I don't think it was the same massive undertaking that 22 a million felt like it was. And that was a little disappointing, but overall, it was a decent addition to the catalog, and that's why it placed where it did on my list. At number 27, Lizzo's record, Cause I Love You. And we were all like, whoa, Lizzo is in the top 40, right? Because we all saw Lizzo doing stuff at South by Southwest with, with NPR, and we were like, man, that is uh, one of the best, uh, best, most talented songwriters in the business, right? And a classically trained flute player as well, and then now everybody in the world knows Lizzo, and it's awesome. It's awesome because she she made this album that is just full of of, of the what do I use to describe it in the in my blog post? I say uh, it's it's full of absolute bangers, bangers about body positivity and learning how good it can feel to be yourself. So in all of this bleakness and all of these bleak albums that I included on my list, this is. This is maybe maybe one of the brightest beacons you can ever put on any type of list.
So that is our next entry on our list. As 26 is Super Enthusiast, the album by Max Seal. Max Seal is a band from Long Island. That song is called Mystery Incorporated. Uh, what I really like about that band is they sound... I really like the vocals on that. They sound kind of like Pine Grove, but like they don't have the stigmatism attached to pine grove also it's it's all electric there's like not acoustic guitar on it it's 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 fun twinkly emo and you know lyrics that make you sad on purpose my favorite line on the whole album is who would have guessed that growing up meant that i would outgrow you and it's from that song which is called mystery incorporated so how can you go wrong with a scooby-doo reference from an emo band how can that go wrong tell me tell me how that can go wrong Tweet at me and tell me how that can go wrong. So that's 26. Is Max Seal, Super Enthusiast. Let's move down our list because we've got a long, long way to go here. At number 25 on our list, I was driving one night, and my phone was acting weird, and I only had one album downloaded. And it was an album that had come out, and I was like, I should listen to this record, but I kept putting it off. And it was an album by Julia Jacqueline, and it was called Crushing. And so I listened to that on the way home from a party. And it was like the perfect late night drive home. It was enough energy to keep me awake, and it, but it was enough like beauty to keep me inspired. If you know what I mean. You know what I mean. If you don't, listen to Julia Jacqueline's new album, Crushing. And the song Pressure to Party is such a great track, and it's super relatable for anybody in their late 20s. But it's it's great because it's it's like man, sometimes I just don't want to do anything. I just want to stay in, and go to bed. But I just feel guilty because my life is slipping away. Julia Jacqueline's album "Crushing." It's a great album. Julia Jacqueline has a, another good album. It's called uh, "Don't Let the Kids Win." Uh, that's I don't know if that's her first album. This is her second. I'm not super familiar with her discography, but a fantastic artist uh, on Polyvinyl Records, and uh, you should definitely go check them out and listen to this record at number 25. Now coming in at 24 on my list is Charlie Bliss's record Young Enough. I have been hyped. I hyped the heck out of this thing back in back when I started this podcast. I was like, I think I played Charlie Bliss on my first episode. I was so excited. A great record, young enough, synth-driven music. I didn't like it as much as I liked Guppy. Uh, and I, I had maybe overly predicted what I thought this album would do. I thought it would put Charlie Bliss in, like, the Billboard, like, top 40. Uh, it didn't quite do that, but a lot of people know Charlie Bliss now who didn't. I have people, like, they'll say, hey, have you checked out this band, Charlie Bliss? And I'm like, yo, yeah, great band. Seen them a couple times. You definitely need to go check them out. I just realized I haven't given you my top tracks for anything since uh, since the, the, the Soak album. Let me just insert these real quick. My top track for the Bon Iver record was Hey Ma. My top track for the Lizzo record is Juice. And for Super, Super Enthusiast, it is Mystery Incorporated. And for Julia Jacqueline's record, it is Pressure to Party. For Young Enough, it was capacity that is uh that is a fantastic song that was i think the first single from the record and it just showed that the band was going to be going in a, in, a, in a totally different direction and uh it, and it's awesome 
and they they made this experiment. I think they pulled it off, and and they came out with this wonderful record, and that's why it is at number twenty four on my list of top thirty records of twenty nineteen. right now is the sweet sound of a band called Chinese Football. Chinese Football, you're thinking now, now Timothy, you're a big fan of American football. Is this band anything like that? Well, you just heard them, so like you know they are. But they are a Chinese band, uh, and it's not just a clever name. I uh, saw somebody in, in a in an American football shit posting group say that uh, Chinese Football is the kid who copies off of someone else's homework and gets a better grade and i was like whoa okay well what is this band i gotta go listen to that and uh it's interesting it's like it's midwest emo but it's from a a totally different continent Uh, i don't understand any of the lyrics because i i can't speak chinese at all um but that doesn't really make it like that isn't really an obstacle for me with this band because so much what of what's great about math rock and uh, or that style, you know, is that the music is really what hits you before the lyrics do. Um, I don't know if that argument can be made with American football because I, I do like Mike Kinsella's lyrics quite a bit. But essentially, it's it's the music is is kind of forward thinking. Like American football just released those demos, um, and and there isn't any vocals at all on those demos that just came out the year one or whatever demos. But it doesn't really affect how the songs make you feel, and this Chinese football record is is just like that. This it's this it, this it's a like a five song EP, and it is great. It makes you feel sad, and actually, you know, it actually makes me feel a little bit happier than an American football record, and and I like that a lot. Uh, so that is uh, the name of that EP is Continue with a question mark, um, and yeah. And that song I played is my top track off that one, which is Rafting in the World. All right, moving on. 22 on my list of 30 records is uh, Lana Del Rey's. I usually, I try not to cuss on this show, but this episode I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to be able to get, get away with that, (laughs) like, at all. Because number 22 on my list is Lana Del Rey's record this year, which is called Norman Fucking Rockwell. Uh, And I enjoyed this record a lot. I've it, this record really got me way more into Lana Del Rey. I've listened to Lana Del Rey a little bit in the past, but this record came out and I kept hearing songs on IPR. And I was like, oh man, who is this? Is Lana Del Rey? This is great. Uh, I really liked this terrific pop song. I love Lana Del Rey's dry delivery of everything, but how everything else is beautiful around her. Uh, and it's a good record. And um, I, I'm not crazy about the doing time sublime cover, but I, I do like the rest of the record. I think it's great. You guess people are calling this NFR. I could have just said that. Anyways, what I really like is when is when IPR would play a song and they'd be like, that was Lana Del Rey off of her new album, Norman Freaking Rockwell. 
Well, my top track off that album is Venice Bitch. And it, so this show is is now, it's got to be rated R, right? They, wait, I get one F-bomb for PG-13. So that was it. I will behave myself the rest of the time. Number 21 on the list here, we have Sebado, Act Surprised. Uh, it's Lou Barlow, record, great album. I, I talked a little bit about this earlier, I believe. But yeah, this came out uh, at the beginning of the summer, and I went the whole summer without listening to it, and then I started listening to it in the fall, and I was like, this is a great fall record, and then saw the release date and was like, oh, well, I like it. It's got some upbeat songs. It's got some, some you know, some ra- real ragers. Um, doesn't necessarily sound like it's stuck in the 90s, but gives you that kind of vibe. And, and I like that. My top track off that record is the song Vacation. Now, we're going to move on. We're in the top 20 now, so buckle up your seatbelts and prepare for this. Number 20 on my list of top 30 records of 2019 is Taylor Swift's record, lover yeah so again i think i've talked about taylor swift a lot on this show and you know i'm a big fan so i'll 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 cut it short on this one really like taylor swift's new record really like the song paper rings album sounds more like red than reputation or 1989 and that is why it places at number 20 used to be bobby forever we were together Or should I say, Rilo Kylie's album, Jenny Lewis, On the Line. Did you guys see that Hard Times article? It's funny. Uh, I like this record a lot. I talked about it on an earlier podcast, so I won't dwell on it too much. But uh, great record. Liked every song on it except for Party Clown because I don't like clowns. Otherwise, great record. Um, what instead I would I would like you to do, The Current did a, a session with Jenny Lewis at this bar um, and she played a bunch of songs from this record, and it's very small and intimate and perfect, and I want you to go look that up instead of listening to this record, because I already told you to listen to this record. I guess if you haven't listened to the record, go listen to it, but I, I assume that when I tell you to do something, you do it. Right? Okay, good. Glad we got that straightened up. At number 18 on my top 30 list, Silver Sun Pickups, Widow's Weeds. This is that record that was produced by Butch Vig. I think I spoke of earlier this year uh as a pumpkins fan i was really excited for this project because obviously you know butch vig did the first two pumpkins records and silver sun pickups very much are influenced by the pumpkins you can just tell by their sound so i was really thinking that this would be like silver sun pickups siamese dream-esque record but uh actually it was far better than that it was uh it was a, another a very heavy record in fact, I would say it's their heaviest album since their since their second record, uh, and it was it's honestly it's very good. It's a, it, I don't know if Silver Sun Picker Silver Sun Pickers Silver Sun Pickups coming off of that their last record Better Nature, which was 
you know, diff- driven in a very different direction. Uh, I don't know if they could have successfully pulled off a record this heavy without the help of Butch Vig. Uh, I don't think that his role can be understated, but I don't think that I necessarily want to say, oh, Butch Vig produced this record, it's great. Because definitely these were songs that the band wrote and put, poured their heart and soul into, and, and they it, it paid off. The, it's a great record, and you should definitely check it out. It's number 18 on my list. It's Widow's Weeds from Silver Sun Pickup. Next on the list, oh, I guess I I keep missing these songs. i got to tell you my favorite songs on them. Jenny Lewis is on the line. My favorite track on that one is On the Line. Uh, Widow's Weeds, my favorite track on that one is It Doesn't Matter Why, which is the second track on the record. Now, now at number 17, Sheena, Anika, and Augusta's uh, EP, Simple Pleasures. Sheena of Lemuria, Anika of Jumped, and Augusta of Gladdy, formerly of Cayetana. Uh, put together this four-song EP. It's fantastic. I played for you all the song for Billy when it was released, and you all weeped with me as we we listened to that. It, it, it's a it's a good record. These these three unique songwriters come together, and it's as if they had been working together for their entire lives. And I, they've all worked together before on some other projects, but it was just so natural, uh, and it, it was perfect. It was a great record, and it was actually, I usually, I don't want to put EPs in my top albums of the year, but that release was so good, I wanted to include it, so I made the exception. And I, I don't mean that to diss on anybody who released an EP last year and didn't make my list. I'm sorry. Number 16 on my list. Uh, Bruce Springsteen released a record called Western Stars. This was my first venture back into Springsteen's catalog since Nebraska, which came out in the 80s, and I really liked it a lot, except for the song Sleepy Joe's Cafe, that song can die, but the rest of the record is very, very good, Uh, and it's, you know, your classic Springsteen characters, it's kind of, it feels like a western, it feels like a play, I know Springsteen did that thing on Broadway earlier, so maybe that's where he's getting these ideas, Um, but it's not an E Street Band record, it's just Bruce Springsteen, and the the overall feel of the whole record is uh, is awesome. I mean, there's Springsteen and Strings doesn't seem like it should work, but it does. Except for the song Sleepy Joe's Cafe, that song sucked. The top track on this record is Sundown. Love that song. All right, we're into our top fifteen now, ain't we? <laughs> Record Anak Co, which apparently means my child. Great record. And I saw somebody on the internet. Again, I'm just, this is not my original thought, but one I'm going to convey to you, but I don't want you to think it's my original thought. I saw somebody say that JSOM's three records are A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And it's very accurate. This record feels very, very Return of the Jedi. Um,. And not to say that it's like, oh, it's the weakest of the three. It's not. It's my least favorite of the three. But it's such a good rap on the whole JSON project. I'm not. I don't think it is like over. But it feels really, really good. And that song is called Superbike. And there are speeder bikes in Return of the Jedi. Coincidence? I think so. 
great record, Polyvinyl Records. That song, Superbike, top track from that record. Uh, it's very, very personal project, um, but has that those bold sort of spaces that uh, you've come to know and love from a JSOM record. And yeah, that's that's our number number fifteen on our top thirty. We're halfway done. Let's move on now with number 14. 14 is Slaughter Beach Dog, Safe and Also No Fear. This record speaks to me in the same way that a Wilco record does. And that's kind of weird because Jake from Slaughter Beach Dog is Jake from Modern Baseball. Modern Baseball is very party emo. Slaughter Beach Dog is not that much of a party emo band. I love this record in particular. I love my top track on that, which is Black Oak. Wonderful, wonderful song. Uh, very vivid. Lots of detail in the whole, whole album. Um, just a record I came back to again and again this year. It's dark. It's gritty. It's honest. It's emo with a cowboy hat on top, which is, which is definitely my style. Okay, so next on my list at number thirteen, Carly Rae Jepsen's record, dedicated. I talked a lot about this record this year on this show as well fantastic record it's like a mixed bag of halloween candy it's got a little bit of everything on it uh, i i make the joke in my blog that i guess you could say i'm dedicated because this album's so good uh, it's a great follow-up to emotion which might be the best record of the decade and it's sitting comfortably at 13 on my list 13 being my favorite number my 13th record whatever i place at 13 always has a special place and, and dedicated will have a special place in my heart for this year it's not as dark and gritty as the rest of some of these releases um, were for the year. So there's another little bright light. Uh, top track off that record would be Julian. Now at number 12, Laura Stevenson's record The Big Freeze, which came out this year. Uh, it's a little less punk rock than other Laura Stevenson releases, but it still has that punk rock mentality because it's Laura Stevenson and she is not going to be able to uh, not be cool as hell. Uh, this is a record that's very soft, but it has Laura Stevenson's distinct vocals right up in your face, which is really the reason why this record is so good, because her vocals are just amazing. Uh, amazingly beautiful, fantastically talented songwriter and singer. Top track on that one is Layback, Arms Out. Now we'll move on to number 11 here. 11 is the Get Up Kids record Problems, uh, which I think is maybe my third favorite Get Up Kids record, honestly. Uh, that would be... Something to write home about would be my number one, Four Minute Mile number two. I would put Problems in at number three. It's a fantastic uh, album. These songs are brand new, but they sound just as good with the other classic Get Up Kids songs mixed in. I uh, got to see the Get Up Kids twice this year, back to back, and just seeing these songs play off of each other is, 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 is cool because a lot of times you go see a band and this is a new song, you know it's a new song, and nobody else cares about it. But people had as much energy for, like, the song Satellite as they did for, like, you know, uh, any of the other classic songs by the Get Up Kids off of Something to Write Home About. You know? Top track on that one is uh, Lou Barlow. And now, I believe it's time for our top ten. I'm not afraid of being alone I just don't know what to do with my time Between you and me I thought it would all last a little while longer But I'm learning to lie here in the quiet light While I watch the sky go 
record that I cried to the most this year is this album at number 10. It's the Nationals' I Am Easy to Find, which was produced by Mike Mills of R.E.M. I have never listened to the National before. I know they're like an important band and a lot of people really like them. But I, I had always kind of heard, you know, the lead singer's vocals and thought, that's not for me. Which is usually not my case because I'm a bad singer and usually I gravitate towards bad singers. Um, but what got me was I was listening to this album uh, at, at the record store I work at and I heard uh, the line, Towers to the Skies and Academy of Lies. And I was like, that is Echoes Myron by Guided by Voices. So I immediately, I turned to this record and started listening to it. I, I talked about this already on the show. But I, I, I talked, I, I listened to this record a bunch. Um, and I watched the video that Mike Mills produced, which is accompanying the entire album. It's called I Am Easy to Find. And I just lost it. It, it. This this record is just one of those records that makes you scream, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is life? It's a life-to-death record, and it's so broad. And it, it, But it features vocals from so many talented women, and, it, and it's truly one of the best records that came out this year. And I, I don't know why I put it at number 10, but... <laughs> It, it is. It was one of my favorite records that came out this year. Very emotional record for me, um, and and I, and I went back and it got me into the National, and I like a lot of their other stuff too. But I'm gonna be one of those weird guys where this is gonna be my favorite one because it was my first one. You know, great record is the Nationals. I am easy to find and number ten. Top track on that, Quiet Light, which was the track I played. Now, moving on, at number nine, uh, another record that I was introduced to from working at the record store. Uh, I We do this thing where we have, you know, records that we, uh, you know, try to promote. And we play them all the time in the store to try to get people to buy more copies of that record. Well, one of them was Tripmaster Monkey's My East Is Your West. Tripmaster Monkey was a band from the Quad Cities that had a little bit of success in the 90s and then called it quits. Well, they got back together and they released this new record. And I was told I have to play this every other album. And I thought, that is going to get old real quick. But it didn't because the record was so good. I I listened to this record probably 45 or 50 times this year. (laughs) And that's really not an understatement. And I really thoroughly enjoy it. And I still do enjoy putting it on. I still put it on. We, We don't play it as much anymore, but I still put it on all the time because it is just a great record. It's this 80s punk feel, um, but, you know, kind of like mature songwriting. Really, really good record. Top track on that one is Ruined and Roan. That's my number nine. At number eight, Kelso, Always a Godmother, Never a God. This is a, a track, this is an EP by Kelso. Kelso is the project name for Kelly Don Helmrich, who is the bassist for Camp Cope. And I talked a bunch about uh, her earlier releases earlier this year. Well, this this record came out, and it's these four fantastic songs that are just so soft uh, and delicate, and it's this upstrung acoustic guitar, and they're relatable, they're humorous, and they're thought-provoking. Uh, I said about this EP on my blog post that it's an EP that transports you to another realm, and when you get there, you, you never want to leave. And my favorite track on that album is Oh God, There's So Much Love In Me. Now let's let's also uh, let's let's move on to 
to our next one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. Good God, have I become so tightly wound? I can't stop it anymore. And in the quiet when there's no one else around, how long do I let it go for? Those telethon boys are at it again. All right, kids, we're going on a magical trip to a land called Wisconsin. Telethon's fourth full album soundtrack our summers this year, and we all listened to these sweet synth sounds provided by Nate Jean Jacket Johnson, and it's been it's been a great summer because we had hard pop, hard pop. Telethon's newest record, not an alcoholic can uh, beverage. Well, maybe it is an alcoholic beverage, but I'm specifically talking about Telethon's fourth record. Uh, this this album, despite being overwhelmingly happy sounding, is overwhelmingly sad, um, and I liked that a lot. It, it's a uh, it's a little bit more more mature. Um, it's not a, it's definitely not a double album about the end of the world, but it is it is a a positive step forward. Uh, and this this uh, record was so fun, um, and you know, Telethon really wore, wore their influences on their sleeves again and gave us this this great-sounding album. And that track that I played was How Long Do I Let It Go For, which was my favorite track off of that record. At number six, we have Chris Farron's record Born Hot. And I'm going to have to formally apologize to Chris Farron because I told him this was my favorite record of the year. And... Me and Chris Farron, we know that Born Hot can't be categorized in any kind of fashion. So, you know, whatever. It's I put it at number six, but you all know that it actually sits at number zero because it's not quantifiable. Chris Farron's album, Born Hot. Weird album, I can't even really talk about it. Go listen to the song Domain Lapse, which is my favorite song off of that record, and uh, tell me what you think. Let's get into our top five now. Bob Mould has progressively been getting better as he's released more records on Merge. I honestly believe that. I think every record he's released has just improved upon the last record that he made. Sunshine Rock is this album about this angry guy, this famously angry guy, coming out of the world and trying to be happy. And it's it's amazing to hear. Um, it, it almost makes you cry how cool it, it sounds because Bob Mould actually feels happy. There's Kazoo on this track. If anybody would have ever listened to Land Speed Record and said, you know, I bet the the guy who sings in that band and plays guitar is going to have Kazoo on a track someday, he, you know, someone would have kicked your ass. Sunshine Rock is such a great album. His songs are so gr- hopeful. The guitar is great. You got Jason Narcy and John Worcester adding to the band. They're truly, I believe, the greatest three-piece playing music today is the Bob Mould Band, and this record, I like it better than both the Sugar records, and I like it better than anything Bob Mould's ever released. This is probably my favorite Bob Mould record. I like it that much, um, and it had to be up this high on my list. Now, I'm going to skip previews for the next couple 
bands because uh, a lot of these releases I have actually already uh, I've already talked about on the show before, and I don't want to replay some of their music. But at number four on my list, it's LP3, American Football's LP3, which I did a whole episode on. I did I dedicated an entire episode to this album when it came out, and you know what? A lot of you, because of that, probably thought it would be my number one record of the year, but it wasn't, and and it was still one of my favorite records, but what I talked about when I listened to it for the first time, that the first side is so good, but the second side didn't hit me quite as much, um, that kind of remains true. Now, I really, really like the first, the first side is, is good enough, though, that it projects the whole record up to the top of my list for sure. Um, but it just didn't have that extra weight that it would have needed to beat out the other ones on my list. Not that any of this is really a competition anyway, but American Football's LP3 was such an iconic record, and it's so different from the other American Football albums, and it makes me very excited for the next direction that the band is going to go in. Cool album. As my, my co-worker Kyle Goldsmith said, Sad Kinsella makes me feel sad. 2019, colorized. Top track on that one is Uncomfortably Numb, featuring Haley Williams. Top track on uh, Sunshine Rock was Sunshine Rock, by the way. I don't think I said that. At number three on my list, when I went to see Wilco, and it's Wilco, when I went to see Wilco, they would play songs off, I think they played six songs off Ode to Joy, and I, they would start playing a song off Ode to Joy, and my dad would turn to me and he'd say, is this one of the new ones? And I'd say, yes. And uh, we would watch as everybody who was standing would slowly sit down because they don't know the song. But you know who didn't want to want to sit down? Me, because I loved Ode to Joy so much. It was a very divisive re- record for Wilco fans. Uh, they were on the Wilco forums. People were screaming at each other, "Ode to Joy sucks. Ode to Joy is the best Wilco al- album ever made." And because uh, you're seeing how high it's sitting on my list here at number three, you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, Timothy obviously enjoyed that record. I really did. Wilco's a band that has always done the unexpected and releasing an album that is a near whisper with only about four cymbal hits on the entire record is definitely unexpected. Also, Tweety's lyrics are are better now than I think they've ever been because he did all that prose writing to write his uh, his novel, um, his memoir, you know, Let's Go So We Can Get Back. He did so much personal writing that I think his lyrics are, uh, they connect more with, with, the audience because they sound more personal than just, you know, I am an American aquarium drinker. Like, what does that mean? It means whatever you want it to mean. But, you know, on, on this record, on Ode to Joy, like everyone hides and, and things like that. It's something we can all relate to. And I gravitate towards this record. I really, really enjoy it. I've listened to it probably 10 or 11 times. And every time I listen to it, I just think it gets a little bit better. I'm wondering if people who didn't quite like it as much didn't have the same experience with it. Um, that I like to have when I listen to a record where I sit down and I put the headphones on and I really dig into it. Um, because I can see if you just kind of casually put the sun in the background and you're familiar with Wilco's other catalog, how you would kind of be like, what is this? But I think if, to anybody out there who listened to this record and didn't like it very much, I would go back and just keep listening because it's going to be one of your favorite Wilco albums. I think it's Wilco's best album since Star Wars, which I know wasn't that long ago. Um, but... It's very good. Very good record. And my top track on that, Everyone Hides. Okay. I'm playing two more songs.
Oblivion Community Center. This record came out way, way, way back at the beginning of the year, and I didn't know it was going to come out. And it was like, suddenly, it was like, hey, Phoebe Bridgers and Connor Oberst uh, are releasing this album. It's called Better Oblivion Community Center. Do you want it? And I said, yeah, and I bought it. So <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it is a great record. I had not written Connor Oberst off, but, uh, you know, he wrote one of the best emo albums ever, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, and... I love that record when I was in high school, but I didn't really explore the rest of his discography that much, apart from a few other songs. And when I saw Phoebe Bridgers had done a project with him, I was like, I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper into 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 Connor Oberst here because I I know he's like you know the most famous songwriter from Nebraska, but you know I just wanted to to get more familiar with him. So Phoebe Bridgers got me back into this great songwriter that I used to love because I love. Phoebe Bridger's music so much. I think she might be the greatest songwriter of our time. She writes these these fantastic albums that are wonderful, wonderful lyrics, wonderful melody, and she's not a bad singer either. Uh, but this this record is is the best parts of Oberst and the best parts of Bridger's, and it's they're all bundled together with these brilliant musicians. And this record, it's innovative, it's modern, it combines electronics and acoustic instruments seamlessly, and it's politically relevant as well. That song, Dylan Thomas, you know, it's about it, it's about, you know, the current state of affairs. It's about the Donald Trump presidency. It's about everything that's going wrong with with the world today. And it's gr- it's good to be reminded of that if you're not. <laughs> if you are, like, if, you, if you're, like, a constant listener of, like, public radio and stuff like that, it's definitely kind of scary to re- hear that in your music. But... <laughs> I don't know. There's an upbeatness to this this music that I really really like, and it it it's all driven home by these these definitely these realistic lyrics. And yeah, that's my top my top track from that one is Dylan Thomas as well. And a really easy song too. Like go pick up your guitar. It's four chords. You can cover that and start playing it everywhere. All right, I've rambled, and you've listened to me for 45 minutes rambling on about 30 releases. That came out this year, and I think now it's uh, it would only be fair to me. It would only be fair to you if I were to shut up and tell you what the top record of the year is. I really looked back and I searched through and I thought, what was the record I listened to the most times? And Spotify does that wrap up thing, and there was one album where every single track was on my top songs of 2019. Here you go. The best record of 2019 is Pup's record, Morbid Stuff. I firmly 
believe that this is the Toronto band's best record. Uh, and people are going to disagree with that, I'm sure. But this year sucked for a lot of people. And this album was an excuse for me to just scream in my car. And that's what I needed. I'm lo- I was looking for an album for a long time to replace my I'm Sad record, which is the Menzingers on the Impossible Past. And probably still will be for a long time. But here comes Pup with this, this, uh, this album, Morbid Stuff. And it's... It's morbid, it's drab, it's depressing, it's punk rock at its absolute finest. This this is a great, angry, pissed-off record, and it's so real, and it's so emotional, and it deals with mental health issues, and it deals with depression in, in a way that... I don't think a lot of other albums that came out this year actually did. It's it. What I said on the, on my blog post is morbid stuff is a vessel for your saddest feelings, and you feel a lot better after you listen to it. It's like it's like it's like crying. It's like having a cry. You feel so much better once you're done. And kids, that song, I think uh, that that track I just played. It's not my favorite track on the album I wouldn't say it's the top track on the album but I would say it's my favorite pup song by far I got a weird story this year I got uh, I started working at the record store and one day uh, my boss texted me and said your 45 is here and I said I didn't order a 45 and when I got to the store there was a promotional copy of a flexi disc of kids and I didn't know where it came from and I still don't I don't know where the heck it came from but you know for sure I appreciated it whoever sent it to me mystery person from Michigan I think who sent me a, a flexi disc of kids that that was awesome and it's like for promotional use only so yeah that's pretty cool I love the song it's my favorite it's my favorite pup song by far and this is a band i've listened to their other two albums countless times but but this third record just i don't know it connected with me in a way that the other two albums didn't and you know i saw some people say pup is their favorite band of this of the decade and that's not a crazy statement to me if you're if this is the type of music you like this is the band that's doing it and also this was a huge breakthrough record for 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 pop. I mean, they were playing when was the last time you saw a punk band on TV like on on like national television. They played Colbert this year. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. It's awesome. They just did a Christmas version of Kids on like this Canadian television program with these puppets where they changed the lyrics so they were about Christmas time. You got to go find that. But I would say that might that the top track on this album and the, the the one that's the most real um is Scorpion Hill and I'm going to play just a little bit of Scorpion Hill kind of to end this list up on Scorpion Hill watching life passing me by in the pale
song is so dynamically different. It shifts to this crazy, wonderful story. I honestly thought they were two different songs the first few times I listened to it, but it's one long song in this wonderful narrative, um, wonderfully depressing narrative. I think that song is also probably my favorite song of the year. So I thank you. We're going to end on a, I, ending on that little sad note, but I, I thank you for listening to Speaking of Nothing. I, I'm going to try to get a couple more episodes in before the end of the year, but if I don't, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next year. I'm going to go ahead and get this blog post public, published. You can follow me on Twitter at Speaking of Nothing. You can follow me on Instagram at Speaking of Nothing. And you can find my Facebook page. It is Speaking of Nothing. I'll be sharing this. Thanks for your dedication and hard work this year. And thanks for sticking around for this super long episode. Yeah, I'm Timothy Yates. And until next time, please drive home safely.